I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. It's nice to say that. <laughs> I know. I was like about to cry. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'll cry this early. The podcast already. This is a funny episode. Yes. Yeah, um, uh, welcome to Heroes Three. The almost forgot the intro by the Biology Podcast, where three friends explore the best, worst, everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. We're about as bi-weekly as podcasts get. Really. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's the goal. That's the idea. So. We're working on it. Maybe maybe I'll update the the intro the next one, but um, <laughs> but this week we are taking a look at uh, Love on Delivery from 1994, and we are starting a little arc that we've been talking about for a very long time. We're yeah. finally jumping into Stephen Chow. We we feel like we haven't given like proper time to yeah so. totally, and this feels just like a perfect um set of films to kind of get back into the swing of things for us it's it's kind of like this at least for me it's this like fantastic hong kong comfort food and um i think there are going to be a few movies in this arc that might be new to to y'all so i'm kind of excited to kind of uh virtually watch alongside you guys yeah i i was talking a little bit earlier about this and um i I had some friends that were really into these films and they helped me get into Hong Kong cinema when I was a teenager and I was more into the fighty stuff so some of the comedy <laughs> stuff really wouldn't draw my attention but I definitely seen like parts of movies and uh, a lot of the comedy in these films that we're going to be talking about there's just so dense full of references yeah. and uh i remember bits and pieces from lots of different films and it's hard to remember which movies are which and um i'm really uh already having a great time uh solidifying these memories for myself oh that's awesome <laughs> so uh yeah 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 and uh, Stephen chow you know we're going way back to like i think it was like episode 29 when we did uh the chinese odyssey films and yeah. um, this was that was more focused of uh, more focused on Journey to the West, and uh, of course starring Stephen Chow. But uh, we didn't really take a magnifying glass to his uh, career. So um, this is this is a good time as any to do it, huh, guys? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's another like extremely bright light um, from you know the stars uh, and really visionaries of Hong Kong cinema. Um, you know, Stephen's films, especially Shaolin Soccer and Kung Fu Hustle are pretty widely known and, um, beloved in the West. And so hopefully with this arc, we can kind of like take the time machine back a little bit, kind of explore this point in time where Stephen Chow is kind of transitioning from charming, uh, kind of wiseacre comedian into this sort of budding, um, cinematic visionary so yeah super excited and another thing that i think is really cool is well one i think of the 90s when i think of stephen chow i think of the 90s and uh you know he he was sprouting the late 80s but really uh 90 like man 
stuff like God of Cookery and Shaolin Soccer were like, yeah. these were these movies were like, have you seen this movie? And you haven't? All right, we're going to watch this movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, it's uh, something that's a bit different, too, because I, I would, you know, I said it's more on the comedy side, but I would say that Stephen Chow, as his career went on, he was able to kind of bring out the kind of martial arts cinema like the stuff that he you can tell that he really loved and actually in all of his movies you can really see a love of cinema itself you can see uh oh, yeah, yeah know, all these references yeah and he was one of the first kind of hong kong stars to me that kind of had a like a global pop culture knowledge that really came across on the screen so i would totally you know it wouldn't be like maybe in some of the other stuff that we'd see that you're telling you you could tell oh they're ripping this off from another movie it was more mm-hmm. like he loves this movie yeah, and he, he loves wants this movie and he to wants throw to, it in here yeah. yeah like it's more homage than just yeah lifting. <laughs> yeah. yeah we have a handful of instances where a comedic actor in hollywood starts kind of transitioning into filmmaker and sometimes that can be pretty successful like in the recent era, maybe you'd say that about Ben Stiller. I feel like a, a few of his films that he's directed are pretty, pretty darn strong. But mm. I feel like S- Stephen, like, Ac- um, like a Jordan Peele, I'd say. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, Jordan Peele's. God, he's probably in a class all his own. It's, um, <laughs> but he was I, very much a a, a comedy. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's so unique with Jordan because it's record. like his film tradition is kind of so disconnected i don't know i i love that it's that way but anyways yeah that's 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 fascinating that's an entirely different episode but i would argue that horror and comedy have a lot in common oh totally they're seemingly opposites well and even even sort of like like a horror filmmaking aesthetic is a big part of the key and peel sketches and why like a lot Mm -hmm. of those work as well as they do anyway it's kind and, of good and also but, like but how... no, i think i mean and i think steven is maybe honestly one of my he's up there with one of my favorite um trajectories of a comic actor that really steps into his own as a filmmaker and i think i love what you said a minute ago carlos which is like his his taste and his points of reference um are really kind of relatable and they feel it's more of like that kind of Tarantino thing where it's clear Mm. that they're, they're coming from a place and they don't feel like um, theft passed off as kind of your own work sort of a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it's interesting because now Steven has just fully transitioned into director. Um, His, his last on-screen appearance was in a film he directed after Kung Fu Hustle called CJ seven, which is I think an excellent movie. Um, but really playing a supporting role in that project. And from then on is just completely behind the camera. Yeah. And I mean, even going back even further, you know, he kind of has a like a different kind of origin story compared to the stuff that we know from like Jackie and his crew where um, really he, he just had a passion. He wanted to be an actor and he went to like TVB's like, you know, school for acting and from there he went into television and um yeah marty you were talking about he was in he was like a host for like a children's tv yeah, show for like for a, a children's show which is yeah. awesome and, and then he, um there was a tv series called the final combat that was kind of his big um breakout and i think that was like 
89 or, or 90. Right. And um, that would be Montat was in that as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, you know, another thing that we'll see as we go through these films is the relationship that they develop and their, uh, the comedic chemistry that's just bursting from the screen. And um, then he had like a, a supporting role that was kind of notable in 88. It was a Danny Lee film called Final Justice. So, yeah. I mean, even just hearing Danny Lee and the title and the time that this came out, you know that there's going to be blood everywhere and guns and all this stuff. So um, <laughs> not what you would really imagine from Stephen Chow, but um then I kind of feel like his real breakout role was a film called All for the Winner, which is a yeah. film from 1990. And it's actually, it's funny, it's a parody of God of Gamblers, which was a Wang Jing film from the year before that starred uh, Chow Yun-Fat. So the funny thing that I, I always think about is that uh, All for the Winner being a parody of God of Gamblers was so much more successful. <laughs> It it was so much more successful than God of Gamblers that yeah. they followed it up with a God of Gamblers 2, which was actually a sequel to both of those films. Right. So they, they they incorporated the parody into the true sequel, which I, I, I always think that's so funny. And my <laughs> favorite part of all of that is that God of Gamblers 2 came out later in 1990. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was successful and they turned around and made a sequel in like six months. That's the Hong Kong and, oh, and yeah, Wong Jing's involved and too. That, so. that Wong Jing's. And honestly, um, those productions and God of Gamblers 3 was a um, really successful film as well. And I had heard that on that film in particular and some of these other Wong Jing productions, uh, those those were kind of the first opportunities where Stephen was getting maybe a little bit more involved, even in kind of an uncredited way. I think we mentioned before how yeah. um, Wong Jing was kind of notorious. Sometimes he would maybe not even be there on set and uh, <laughs> other folks would kind of would sort of pick up the slack. Um, and yeah, say what you will about that, but um, that kind of provides it. an interesting opportunity for other folks to learn that are that are interested. And uh, what's funny about the first film in this arc, Love on Delivery, is uh, it's we're gonna we're once again kind of encountering some of the the mists of who did what in kind of uh, the Hong Kong tradition. Um, there are still areas online where this is credited as a co-directed film. And then there, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but there are a few uh, newer transfers, not just the celestial transfers, but some other, some of the other fortune star transfers where there's like a new opening credits tacked on. So I don't know if you noticed on this one that it's oh. like the credits in the beginning are kind of like a modern, like sure. digital credits. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the first copy I had of this was like a VCD back in the day. And it might've been one of those cases where there was just a title in the beginning and it was kind of like missing credits. Mm. Um, But at any rate, it's from, from things that I've read over the years and interviews with Steven as well. This is a film that he was involved in and kind of like a co-directing capacity, just how much it's hard to say for sure, but kind of, this does kind of mark this transition in his career where he starts being a lot more involved in coming up with the premises for the films and then kind of collaborating on the screenplay and ultimately behind the camera as well. And uh, I think it's 
I'm actually glad in some ways that we've waited this long because we've gotten a pretty <laughs> good taste of, I think, the the kind of maybe status quo of Hong Kong comedy, even though, you know, comedies aren't our focus on the podcast, we yeah. still brushed against plenty of them. And I think we're going to start to get a sense of like, okay, just what is so unique about kind of Stephen's approach to some of this mm-hmm. stuff. We're going to see a lot of the same slapstick and kind of like madcap zaniness, but yeah, very different points of reference, um, a different kind of heart, I would say. And also, it, we're just going to encounter, like, I think, like, one of the great screen comedians of all time. He just has such a unique delivery. And, yeah. uh, dude, I can't wait. So, yeah, Marty, what you were saying about this slapstick humor, I, I feel like we should mention before we get into this arc that there was actually, like, a phrase coined, uh, you know, maybe a little earlier than this, but really it's something that you hear a lot when you hear about Stephen Chow's signature style of comedy and it's called mole tao which kind of is a rough translation meaning like nonsense comedy or makes no sense comedy <laughs> and gotcha. um it's it i mean the phrase itself kind of lends to like the genre that it's talking about but it's it basically is this type of almost random but like yeah like surrealist yeah in in a way in a way and there there's a physical aspect to it and there's also kind of um a kind of a comedy where they play on people's expectations and then just flip Mm. it on the other side and i like that because a lot of times you know when in western culture a lot of times people will say like you know asian comedy is kind of unapproachable or we don't get it and that kind of goes in line with like Chinese and Hong Kong cinema, but also in, J- in Japan. And I think that it's kind of nice that, I mean, there's this little phrase that kind of kind of puts a stamp on what this is. And it, yeah. and, uh, it kind of drives you into yeah. what we're going to be seeing today. Dude, yeah. love that. Well, let's hop into the episode. But first, let's take a look at the back of the VHS. Ho Come On makes a living trying not to lose his job as a delivery man. But a chance encounter at the local fitness center sends him on a quest for love. The beautiful lie dislikes weak and cowardly men, and An has to prove himself to win her over. In comes Devil Killer Tot, a self-proclaimed kung fu master that will train An as long as he pays his fees. Can An defeat his bullies and win Lai's love? Who is the masked Garfield? What are the secrets of Devil Killer Tot's past? Stephen Chow and Ngban Tot star in Love on Delivery. So the plot of the movie is pretty, I mean, the plot itself is pretty straightforward. It's just Stephen Chow plays like a, a delivery man who gets a crush on a girl. And there's this bully guy that wants the girl to. At like a martial arts gym. At like a martial arts. Yeah, like a, he's a judo champ. And he, through, through uh, lots of shenanigans, beats the judo guy. But then a karate guy comes over from Japan. He also wants the girl. And then he fights him and, and gets the girl. That's that's the very basics <laughs> yeah. of the movie. And we but also have this thread is... of like um Steven's character being trained oh, by yeah. a clear like <laughs> like clearly a con man played yeah. by Montat. Um yeah. and so uh w- once we enter that part of the film we get uh what we often have when they're teamed up together, which is this like amazing kind of like buddy comedy um sort of vibe so yeah we're definitely plenty of uh nonsense kind of keeping up with the the genre um but 
Yeah, I think Love on Delivery is kind of, yeah, I, I look at it as like this great bridge film where it's like mm-hmm. really zany and that uh, each little sequence um, can can actually be like quite fantastic and cartoony, but there yeah. still is at least some kind of like thread and some kind of theme. And like, as we move forward through his career, I feel like we're going to see like all those things kind of like strengthen, like the mm-hmm. like thematic line will strengthen and arguably even like some of the um, set pieces and stuff as well. But yeah, love how this opens. Also got to mention uh, Christy Chung, who's just, amazing in this movie. oh my god <laughs> yeah she's great <laughs> yes she's awesome <laughs> um for me the the first thing that kind of struck me was the shaw brothers logo <laughs> yeah. yeah um i was like shaw i didn't know shaw brothers even still around in 94 i mean i definitely I think it's just played as a joke um, it's it's funny it actually was. well i looked up like lists of shaw brothers releases because i checked on uh you know our usual resources and i couldn't confirm it but yeah it, honestly if it is played for a joke it works but i was still thrown off just slightly yeah. like whoa and but but following that um you've got almost this kind of laugar long it's like yeah, kind of totally. yeah. Where it's yeah this, that's how i kind of read it as like all part of a piece like setting yeah. up this opening because mm-hmm. yeah i think it was like a pretty independent movie um mm-hmm. cosmopolitan film or something like that oh um, yeah that's what i saw too so yeah I, yeah then <laughs> so, like, i'm down they, with I that mean, joke it, uh, I mean, we've mentioned before, it's like there's not a lot of like IP security in yeah. Hong Kong in the 80s and 90s. So <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you were able to just grab the Shaw logo and slap it on there if you felt and, like it. And also uh, another thing that I, we're going to get into a bit as we go through these films is I, for me personally, I love how he, he can make a scene like a joke, but also make it look cool. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Like this sequence, like... It's a joke because, you know, as the scene plays out, you've got this judo master doing these ridiculous moves and he has his own ridiculous like wire. It's called the avalanche, this crazy twisted throw. And I love it. But honestly, the way that it's staged and the way that it's executed is is great. And actually, Tony Ching Su Tung is the action director for this. Yeah, totally. So when when there is action, it looks like it needs to look. Mm hmm. Yeah, amazing. And I and uh it's just a really fun kind of smash to reality when you realize like you're in the present day mm-hmm. in this dojo and then we just have the hyper confident uh Christy yeah. Chung and you just like her character is just like appealing from the drop. Oh yeah. Where she has like the gum that she immediately like sticks <laughs> to her own like shirt before talking to the guy. Yeah, the okay, so here's here's a weird one. There are the names in the movie. Yeah, right. There's like, it's, there's conflicting reports on what people's names are, which is really (laughs) funny to me. Um, But yeah, like the, the on Hong Kong movie database, it will tell you like completely different names from what's on the Wikipedia and what's different from the, the YouTube subtitles and stuff. It's, it's all over the place. Yeah, so um, we're we're listening to the Cantonese version, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, when you're listening to it, you can hear the names. They don't represent yeah, what the they subtitles say lie are showing. And yep. Cantonese, yeah, yep. And Stephen Chow's character is Ho Kam An, and the uh, so 
I mean, there's a little bit of weird. I, I'm so glad that we have this, you know, so readily available. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. But it is always a thing where it's like, what's the real stuff? And, you know, we try to dig into that a little bit. And there's sometimes with the subtitles where it's like uh, that that couldn't be the translation for some obvious reasons we'll get into later. Yeah, but. totally. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> this uh, The subtitles that are available. Also, we should say um, this movie is available for like rent or purchase basically anywhere you could get digital movies. It's not on a streaming platform for free, but um, kind of widely accessible otherwise. Right, and, and, and it I, was I on say Netflix that, for a while. Yeah, yeah, till kind of recently, I thought. Mm-hmm. But um so yeah, in many ways, the this uh, subtitle translation is kind of a a step forward. It's it's highly grammatical compared to the subtitles that I was used to for this movie. But I'm I'm with you, Carlos. There there are definitely some moments where maybe it's a little, yeah, it's a little simplified or something. Yeah, and another thing with the comedy, sometimes this style of comedy play does wordplay, and we don't get a lot of examples of that in this film. But that's a case where subtitles really do matter. And uh, Mm -hmm. we've got actually, you know, we're living in an era where we've got companies like 88 Films and Eureka that are doing these amazing releases that we're getting that much detail in the releases. So like Forbidden City Cop just came out recently and it's it just really I mean, I'm very thankful to be in this era. But anyways, so in the the film, you know, we have this little bit where the judo master does his moves and he sees uh, Christy Chung's character, Lai, and he's coming on to her and she denies him. And it transitions really nicely into this locker room scene where all the girls are saying like, oh, why didn't you you know, go with him? And she, her delivery is so good in this yeah, scene where she, he's like, oh, come you know, watch TV. And she goes like, what? Like a puke. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome. And then she explains her point of view or it's like i want like a hero like her man. ideal like, guy yeah. yeah and then uh we get this really <laughs> just perfect transition where she opens her locker and you see the terminator 2 poster and she's just mm-hmm. you can see she's swept away by this poster but that's our transition into the next scene that introduces <laughs> steven chow and and yeah. it's, it's so awesome genius. because it's played um kind of like the opening it's played it's like they're all the way in on this tonally. So mm-hmm. it almost, you kind of wondering like, Oh, is this like some kind of fantastic moment? Or is this a story like about a cyborg? Yeah. Um, yeah. Really well set up, really well directed. Oh, we should mention. Um, so Lee Lick Chi is the director. And then according to some sources, co-directed by Stephen Chow, who knows at this point, Yeah, um, but we're kind of aping some of the shots. I would say more from the original Terminator, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more Terminator one. Than yeah. Terminator and so two, we but... see Steven like presumably nude kind of like well, crap. Well, we see, we see a super, a super beefy guy or maybe just a <laughs> yeah. scene straight up from Terminator and then it hard cuts to Steven Chow, which is yeah, an amazing. amazing cut from this, you know, super muscular guy to, you know, pretty, pretty scrawny. Dude, uh, so great. And he's um he's confronted by these two police officers. And yeah, if this is if this is your first Stephen Chow film, you can't you really couldn't do much better for like an introduction here. Just this is his incredible kind of deadpan tone. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I I think there's something about Stephen that um for my money really translates. Um Oh yeah. 
and uh, and I know kind of like Jackie, I, I see him as one of the Hong Kong filmmakers that most keenly had an eye on an international audience, even at this point in time when mm-hmm. these films really weren't doing much international business. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the fact that we're kind of like aping Terminator, uh, that's somewhat unexpected. Anyways, it turns out, no, this guy is not a cyborg. His clothes have just been stolen. Um, mm. And we have this amazing scene, mostly in one take, if I remember. Um, and he's kind of like going through what happened, this uh, homeless guy taking his clothes. Then it turns out that it's like, no, he pretty much like offered his clothes. Um, and it's just this awesome kind of like rambling uh, rambling story and uh, I don't know. Again, comfort food watching this stuff. <laughs> I think a, a really good thing to say is that one, his his physical presence is so comedic, and two, <laughs> yeah. his timing is perfect. In in yeah. every film that he's in, his comedic timing is just down to the millisecond. Yeah, Stephen like, has this thing where he like kills the mood, like sort yes. of. Yes, and it's like so hysterical. Yeah, yeah. Now, I I mentioned it in a. Uh, probably one of the majority of the West ones, but Stephen Chow does deadpan. No one in Hong Kong does deadpan. Right. <laughs> like, right. You're like so it's right. very, it's always very like over the top, very like vaudeville kind of, and this one certainly gets wacky like that, but he does deadpan and like everyone around him is still doing like the, you know, silly wackadoo. And he's just completely straight face doing all these, you know, all these comedic lines. And you're and right. Literaries. He's on like a totally different thread. Cause like he has this range of this like palette of expressions. Like he also does this really dopey kind of lifeless grin a lot of times. Um, but yeah, it reminds me of no one else. And, um, but yeah, it's just a great way to kind of, uh, I think sort of underline the theme of like, okay, lie has just expressed what she's looking for in a partner. And we're basically saying this guy ain't it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're transitioned into uh, him arriving at his job. So he's a delivery man for this cafe. And you've got your kind of uh, rogue gallery of... Uh, Very Dance kind of, of the Drunk Mantis kind oh, of here. Yeah, totally. You got the fly in the soup situation. And they have their own kind of con into getting rid of the customer and keeping the money. But uh, on here, he's he's not that good at it. And he's kind of trouble for the boss. And he's kind of the bane of the of this boss's day whenever he's around so you see that he's a a bike delivery guy and this transitions to him sending uh, this transitioned into him going to the judo school which is like this kind of community like fitness kind of gym community center deal yeah yeah totally and some of these actors here um are going to pop up throughout you know, Stephen, Ch- uh, Stephen Chow's career. Um, the more heavy set dude, that's Vincent Koch. And he, um, he's kind of a, a genius. I would say he's kind of behind the scenes, sort of the right hand, um, to Stephen Chow. He's either writing or co-writing, um, a lot of, a lot of his strongest work. And he's, uh, he's a credited writer on this movie as well. Yeah. And his boss is played by Wang Yat Fei and, I mean, yeah. he has such a distinct look, and if you've seen Shaolin Soccer, you you know who you're looking at right away. <laughs> right. <laughs> he gets the community center, and and of course the judo guy. The I do like the the name on the YouTube subtitles is Grizzly, which I think that's fun. Yeah, oh, that's fun great. Nickname. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, the but, name is Black Bear, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it's probably just some 
it's just the Chinese name for a type of bear. Mm-hmm. And he's he's hitting on Lai again, and Lai says, like, I'll kiss anyone in the world except for you. <laughs> yes, and so the next dopey guy that walks in, Stephen Chow. And it's a great little moment. I like how this is staged. We've seen this kind of beat in films before, like the sweet romantic music. We come in on the close-ups. Um, but it starts with just kind of like an innocent little peck and then she like looks back at Grizzly and then she really mm-hmm. kind of goes for it. Um, and again, Steven's acting here is just awesome. He and Christy mm-hmm. really, really sell something. It's like from this tiny little like silly moment, you, you kind of just want them together now. She says that she really wants to go to this Jackie Chung uh, concert, which, yeah, which whenever I, I um, obviously I'm not as in, in the, well-versed with all this stuff as as you guys are but i was like oh is that the same one from once upon a time in china and it is right yeah oh dude. yeah but, that's but right he was, but he was a big like yeah uh, you're gonna have to take that back man you know it all guy. dude but I, well whenever i saw it, i was like jackie chung i know the name jackie chung so then i looked it up i'm like okay he was in that movie and then oh he's also like a huge <laughs> pop star he's in, one of the four heavenly kings one of the canto pop <laughs> legends but mm. more importantly He's Broomhead in Future Cops. He's our guile. <laughs> yep, 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 he's the not guile. Yep. <laughs> uh, just roping Future Cops back into every episode. Yeah, always got to yeah. bring Future Cops up. Which actually, in the beginning of Future Cops, there's like that futuristic segment where they kind of introduce the M. Bison character. Yeah, yeah. And one of the first shots of the movie are like, they're like these posters splattered on the fence and they feature Stephen Chow's face on the poster oh, you're right yeah i don't even think i mentioned that in our recording but anyways <laughs> yeah connected so the fact so, that like jackie chung is like kind of like this little focus for a moment is pretty fun because uh we've got yeah. a situation where and then he even being... shows up himself in a few minutes too. yeah yeah that's it's great that's such a good because i was like looking it up and being like okay that's that guy and and i was even still like but uh, i don't know i'm not 100 it's the same guy and then at the end of the like this whole scene where he's trying to get these tickets, then Jackie Chung just shows up for a second and hands him two tickets. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. It's such but- a good it, it, and it's again, that's a reason why I love that we do this podcast, because if I was just watching this on its own, I would just kind of have to assume like you can tell from its shot that it's probably him. But since I actually like, right, knew right. what he looked like, then it was maybe even funnier. Yeah. It, oh, it's this great. whole him camping out scene is bonkers. Oh, the mayhem oh, with so the line. Great. Oh, it is. It's very airplane. I think I mentioned on another episode. Yeah, yeah, totally. Very, very like, like Zucker, Zucker naked brothers. gun. Yeah. Yeah. But the like the cops trying to keep the line from being getting out of control just get more and more like brutal. Yeah. And they start off just like shoving them and then they're hitting them with batons and then the guy has like a gun. <laughs> so oh. it's so it's great because Lai had mentioned these Jackie Chung tickets, but it turns out she didn't actually have have them. Um she was just kind of playing around and there's kind of a sweet moment and he sort of takes it pretty well, um, but he's determined to get these tickets. So then we cut to him in a tent outside. This is like pre Phantom Menace, so um, <laughs> he was the first. But um, he's 
uh, he, I guess, was camping out early enough where he's first in line. So there are all these people coming to him with these pleas like, hey, I'll give you all this money. And he's like, no, 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 he won't compromise on anything. And then there's this sweet old lady who's like, could I please just go just in front of you? It's like, <laughs> I need tickets for my grandson. Um, so there's literally only one person in front of him when he gets in the line. Uh, the t- the cashier says, no, that lady bought all 20 yeah. tickets. And then she's <laughs> getting him to her grandson, who's just immediately scalping them. Yeah. Um, and then immediately gets arrested for scalping them before. Yeah. After Stephen had, like, them. forked over the money. And then there's this Ugh. cool, like, close-up on the, the wrist. Like, right after the money has changed hands, the cops put the cuffs yeah. on the dude. Um, but it's here in this moment he's... Uh, sort of has passed out from like all the ruckus and probably getting beaten up. And then we have this kind of like God shot from below of Mm -hmm. Jackie Chung. It's like, it's like, is this real or is this a dream? Um, And like you were saying, Matthew, he just like gives him two tickets. Mm -hmm. And And I love the, he writes the, he like writes a letter to, to lie saying like that, you know, that, Here are the tickets. But the, my favorite line that she says, Jackie Chung made me believe in miracles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <so good. laughs> that your favorite line isn't that bitch ate my sandwich. Even even after Yeah, even after he gets the tickets, he kind of has this cute like plot to deliver her the tickets through one of his delivery sandwiches, and then as he arrives she's like oh i don't like eggs so he's like oh no and then he tries to give it to him again and then uh one of her friends just grabs a sandwich and eats it in like one gulp <laughs> mm-hmm. but that ends up being okay because she pukes up the <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, note that's great <laughs> yeah the perfectly yeah. intact note yep and that this does end up being important too because he's so happy and he's going to meet her at the bus stop just like he said in the note and then when he shows up, you've got the uh, the judo black bear shows up, and there's this gag with poop on his hands that's pretty funny. But what <laughs> what it really ends up being is that he oh my god he gets into this encounter with him, and black bear goes to hit him, and he dodges. But Black Bear totally decks Lai, and Lie. she goes yeah. flying. <laughs> Lai literally air. goes flying, like spinning around in the oh, air. Yeah. And it's such a stupid <laughs> joke, and it's like kind of messed up. But it actually means something because for her, she doesn't like cowards, so that totally yeah. casts him in this cowardly light. And you know, he's gonna spend the rest of the movie trying to prove himself to her. And actually, I, I like that. Um... <laughs> That scene, he's like climbed up a, a lamppost uh, mm-hmm. just outside of her window and um, he's just trying to kind of follow up because she has this bandage on her nose. And, yeah. You know, totally makes it worse. But yeah, that's where I just like lays it out. She's like, no, you've got this wrong. Like, I don't like yeah. cowards. And, and, and this- he had this present for her, which is this stuffed Garfield. Um, oh, yeah. right. Our first Garfield appearance. Our first Garfield, yeah. Which. Yep. Whenever I whenever I saw it, because this is the first time I'd seen it, was for this episode, and so whenever I first saw that, I was like, "That's that's really funny." There's a stuffed Garfield. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but also the the scene of him leaving sad, and all the lights are turning off. So he's oh, leaving. There's a and she closes like a set. the curtains. Yeah, yeah. He's walking away in this like closed set. You can obviously tell it's a closed set. And as he's walking, just to emphasize how sad it is, all the lights are turning down in this little plaza. <laughs> but the last thing that happens is the moon turns off. 
Yeah, oh, I didn't so even great. notice that. Oh my yeah. god, I lost it. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I hadn't even thought about it, but this is going to be insanely <sighs> gifable. Even right. Like, even earlier that, um, I th- is it after he first meets Lie, where he has the cup of water? It's yeah, like, he's just trembling. Just like, yeah, just trembling he's he's something. he like says that he's squatting down because his legs just aren't working because yeah. The, girl kissed him and uh, or when he's like funny. wearing that scarf and just sort of like um <laughs> like joyfully <laughs> spinning around the city yeah i'm realizing yeah. as we're recording this that this is kind of like when you're when you're stuck at a party and a guy's trying to explain a joke to you that's like all our episode is gonna be yeah totally <laughs> I love it. And that's why I'm glad we have the gifts because is that and that's part of why the movie is funny despite the fact that we don't speak the language is because it's so much amazing physical comedy and so many visual gags. Yeah, totally. Um but yeah, I really like what you said earlier Matthew. It's like the gags are less like sort of silent movie cuz conceptually or whatever which is like a lot of what say jackie and samos oh yeah um kind of influences were and yeah it's much more kind of like airplane kind of naked gun or sort of mel brooks like spirit or something and this whenever he this when he meets the another another good name in the uh youtube version is devilish muscle man (laughs) oh dude beautiful it's the like the 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 charlatan like kung fu master yeah. guy so here's where we should all pour one out for uh mr Montat, who yeah. yeah passed away very recently um and it, quite bittersweet but i was glad to to hear that um prior to his passing when he was kind of struggling with his illness that um he and Steven had kind of uh, reconnected. There's a lot of rumors. um, So basically Montat had been a part of almost every one of his films up until uh, Kung Fu Hustle. And so there'd been rumors that they had like a a more serious falling out. Um, Both of them sort of denied that, but um, apparently, and I didn't realize this, but Steven had offered him a role in the mermaid, which is one of his uh, more recent films. But um, Montat didn't feel uh, physically up for it, like like he could handle it. But yeah, absolute uh, legend. Um, yeah, that's and, that's past, and um, we're hopefully going to get to kind of celebrate him a lot through these uh, next few movies here. Oh, definitely, definitely, and and I feel good that I I mean I saw the Wandering Earth, which is a 2019 film, and it's a mainland China film, and it's honestly like the first like real huge like sci-fi like just straight up oh, sci-fi right, yeah. Movie. yeah that was I, a huge uh box office um yeah and it yeah. I, I had a good yeah. time with it it's it's a little rough around some edges plot wise but it's it's a really fun movie and i i really liked what they did with it and he plays a major role in the film and i thought that that was really cool and he, i mean he hadn't been in a movie in, in, a, in a little bit of time and uh to see that kind of around the same time was pretty nice yeah that's awesome um but yeah what a great character he's playing here i love this kind of like obvious huckster but steven's character is like mm-hmm. either um kind of willfully naive or just kind of too dopey to to catch on um whatever it is it's awesome and Mm. we got to see some of their chemistry in in the chinese odyssey films um but yeah this is just such a great 
setup and <laughs> uh you were sharing in our uh, discord thread earlier some of those snaps <laughs> from yeah. uh once he starts kind of going into his martial arts background i'm jumping ahead just a little bit that's fine. but i love it he's he's saying like i'm not one of these guys who's like trying to show he's connected to everyone as he's like trying to like show he's connected to everyone through these like pretty yeah. badly f- he's like, very obviously doctor pictures of him yeah. with bruce lee and jackie chan, <laughs> jackie chan. <laughs> Oh, it's so great. Um, But yeah, essentially this is going to, like, this is his Mr. Miyagi. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually feel like Karate Kid's kind of an influence on this movie. I can totally see Um, that. And there's some nods to it in the film itself. Yeah. Yeah, the overall, like, broad strokes of the plot or whatever. Uh, Have y'all ever watched the anime Mob Psycho 100? I've seen the first season of it, not the second one. Because the it's it's in the first season too, but that's I almost wonder if it's just kind of a trope that I mean I guess it's kind of a trope, but um one of the the main character mob his quote unquote master uh, Reagan is like he yeah says he's just he's like a, a psychic, con artist, but he's a total con artist. Yeah. But mob, despite being actually being like a powerful psychic, completely doesn't see it. Yeah, <laughs> love um, it. Which it's that's that's another amazing that's an amazing show. I would love to find some excuse to talk about it on the podcast. Oh, yeah, and yeah, some some it. beautiful animation by some legendary oh, animators yeah. too. Oh yeah. yeah. But so uh, as he's uh, this this guy is like explaining all of, like his these amazing techniques he <laughs> and stuff. One of the things he shows him is he has this weird like red fin on his head with like these eggs in his eyes. Um, and he looks kind of, he actually kind of looks like Super Inframan a little bit. Oh, yeah, well, he's totally definitely, he's going for an Ultraman. Uh, yeah, he's definitely going for an Ultraman. Yeah, because he even does like the beam from Ultraman. And, and that's, but it's like, so great because it's like that, yeah, center beam. <laughs> it's clearly like um, a makeshift like uh, Pepsi cardboard box or something. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you can see how crude it is. It's awesome. And I also love his flying guillotine, which is just a yo-yo. It's just a yo-yo. And he does like <laughs> rocking the cradle with the yo-yo. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. perfect scumbag, <laughs> like martial arts master here. But I also love how in a lot of these uh, Stephen Chow films, this you've got this hero's journey but it's like through comedy, right? So yeah. uh, you've got a main character that's really at the lowest of the low, but has like this optimism and through all these misfortunes ends up finding that glory. And you, you see that in this film as well. And uh, you get these moments where you're like, how can he, how can he believe this guy? But honestly, the chemistry between these two guys and how that develops, is just so good that you're just riding it the whole way. And then you get yeah. to this kind of pivotal moment where you're like, oh, my God, it is true. He is going to be like this this hero now. And <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, love totally. how how they drag you through the lows. <laughs> well, and it's cool. The storytelling is a lot more deft than you might think. Yeah, um, because it's. On the surface, this is just like a pure charlatan, but we've actually gotten a couple of these little breadcrumbs that end up um, paying off later, um, which I don't know, it's much more interesting than, say, just like a pure Miyagi, um, where it's like obvious that he's like a great martial artist that's fallen here. You really don't believe it, but um, there is that nice little shot of his like leg brace and there are a couple little clues here and there that end up um, paying off later. 
Yeah, and I think it also works because you've got the nonsense of the comedy, but then you kind of have this like very deliberate kind of little plot going on. So it kind of makes I I think they both uh, work better because of that. Yeah, totally. I do like he gets some he gets offered some like kung fu shoes and so he puts on these light up high top sneakers yeah it's very very 90s fun little montage oh dude also there's a couple of great exchanges um very yun will ping ish with just their hands like when he's uh, unwilling to give up the money um and montat's character has this scheme where it's like oh it's gonna go to kids in the mainland um (laughs) he just like pockets it but Maybe it's a little later, but I love that exchange with their hands where they're saying, and the subtitles totally miss it. And then they're like, fuck you too. Fuck oh, you. it's the oh, best. That's so. It's like, it's <laughs> fuck like. You, fuck, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, three. Three, four, five, six. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you too. Fuck you, three. Yeah, we can, we can jump forward a little bit because yeah. we still have some jump to, the, to, to the fight. Yeah, so we've got this montage, and then you see that he's very obsessed with this training. And even at work, everything he's doing is his training to the detriment of his boss, right? And uh, this leads to a, another training moment where uh, Ingman Tat, uh, you know, uh, he's... He's like, man, I can't believe this guy's still buying this. He's like, I'm going to give him something that <laughs> right. there's no way that he's going to do it. And he takes him to this tall staircase <laughs> and he says, like, this is the invincible fireball. And what you have to do is you have to grab your opponent like and roll. It's like staircase. <laughs> yeah, it is. You got to roll them down this staircase. And uh, your training is that you have to throw yourself down a staircase. And you see him. He's like, oh, man, like, really? Like. Uh, but he's still determined. So um, this actually ends up being a funny joke, too, where he uh, Tat comes back and he doesn't see him there. And he's like, oh, my God, he did it. And then he accidentally <laughs> trips down yeah. the stairs. Himself. Yeah, it's like a Romeo and Juliet poisoning. But <laughs> yes. <with> stairs. <laughs> yeah, perfect. For oh, man. But then yeah. the, the thing that I love is that, you know, uh, An sees this and he says, Master, like, I see, I see the training that I need. So that determines him even more to learn this technique. Yeah. <laughs> so the next scene, we finally get the confrontation because the uh, black bear is kind of like, dr- like really trying to lay it on thick with with Lai, and and she, she like in in rejecting him, accidentally breaks his Armani glasses, yeah. and he completely oh, yeah. flips out. Um, and right whenever the goons are like going after him, then. The- <laughs> Then Steven shows up with like this, this like kung fu gi or not gi, this kung fu like outfit and a Garfield mask. Yeah. Like covering his entire face. Yeah. And he has like in this amazing like hands on their hips. Like, yeah. Like extremely heroic. And then he just gets the shit beat out of him. <laughs> yeah. Like, some, it's not even close. Actually, some really well shot wrestling moves here. I, I actually yeah, was like really, really, really into totally. It. There's a um a couple of suplexes and the, the the big huge one after like a backbreaker is it's called a brain buster which looks like a suplex where you kind of lift your opponent straight up in the air and drop them on their back that mm-hmm. looks really really good yeah. <laughs> so then of course he just keeps getting <sighs> up you know he's so Every... determined <laughs> oh my god I'm like I have it playing right now and I'm almost losing it it's oh, so great. funny every single <laughs> so time funny. he stands back up. <laughs> 
Yeah. And the mask is just perfect because the Garfield grin is so stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, he, and the, whenever he gets thrown like onto a car, like nowhere close <laughs> yeah. to the guy, and then he stands up right behind him again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's a beat where it's like he doesn't stand up right away. And so yeah. Grizzly and thinks then, he's gotten And then he's on the just... other shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Uh, so, but it's, it's like what a lot of this movie does well, which is like, um, you don't really feel any kind of like seeds being, uh, planted, uh, for the story or like these thematic connections. Cause it's just like genuinely funny. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, he is actually demonstrating the most important like virtue, at least as far as lies concerned. Right. It's like, he's not cowardly. Like he can't fight. So it's like, he hasn't met his own like personal goals but like Mm. this means this kind of means everything yeah yeah and i love how this builds to you you end up seeing uh black bear grizzly doing his signature move the avalanche so he he tosses him up into the air and he does this follow-up attack but right when he's about to do the finisher uh on counters it with his move and that leads into his invincible fireball that (laughs) takes him down the staircase and totally destroys him. So I, here, I want to ask you guys a thing real quick. These shots are set up so well. Yeah. It's it's great. That first like tumble looks so great and they actually have good air. And then they have this awesome, like, close up with either a, a backdrop or a spinning camera or something but those are great too oh, i don't know man. this sequence is extremely well well put together so okay you guys know i love fighting games right <laughs> <laughs> Word. So, okay very blanca using well more 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 to me can you name to me a very popular cat-headed wrestler Oh, uh, King, right? Yes, King from Tekken. So not only that, but like King in Tekken has a a, like a chain throw move that's like the rolling death cradle. Oh my god! I'm not I'm not saying these are connected, but (laughs) I they're connected. You're not saying they're not connected. (laughs) The most specific and obscure mod in the universe would be a mod for Tekken (laughs) where King has a Garfield Garfield mask. In one of the Tekken games, I want to say either Tekken 6 or Tekken Tag 2, there is a customized part for King's Head that's like a kind of a cartoonish cat head. Yeah. It's not Garfield, but it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. So it, the then, okay, anyway, so the, that's awesome, right? He has his victory. He still is masked, though, so it's this mysterious hero. Oh, when he gets arrested. And, yeah, that's, yeah, this part is so great. He's so happy. He's walking down the street. Everybody's looking at him and he takes the mask off and looks in the mirror. He's like, I won. And then he does this victorious zoom out where he's kneeling down with his arms up. I won! And perfectly timed comedic beat where two police officers put a bag over his head and arrest him. <laughs> They're but like, the bag All right, has get like out holes and like a mouth. <laughs> yes. like a mask. Oh, man. So honestly, yeah. you know, we've got this and for all intents and purposes, this is kind of like the end of a film, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is interesting right, right. to me because we're halfway through this movie and it kind of ends, but they kind of take you, it's just almost like two movies in one movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Like, now yeah, you it's get like this the movie whole and second... then it's immediate sequel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well put. Yep, so now this starts us on our own uh, whole second film within this film. 
Yeah. So what he didn't count on is that like <laughs> this is a very um, uh, you could easily imitate this costume, and that's yes. exactly what happens. Basically, every like horny dude in town is coming up to lie with in a like, Garfield some mask. Version and of there's the Garfield so. Mask. There's so many bad Garfield masks. Yeah. And there's this slow Dude, I love that shot scene. of yeah, her running away. Which is running. Oh, so great. And there's guys that have like the actual mask and some that have like eye patches. And yeah, it's like totally. one that's just a gar like a like a printout picture of Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. oh, and then when there's that car full of Garfield sticking out. Um, yeah. That's so well done. I love how that looks. And then when they crash, they're all flying through the air. And that looks so cool yeah. to me. Oh, and Uman Tat's character ends up being there too. He's like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, he's like, I was just here for the fun of it or something. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So these, uh, you know, he's still, even though he got his victory, he's still in the middle of these like <laughs> disappointing events. And he's just so frustrated. And this leads us to our argument here where it's like man like oh, that's right, yeah. this is your fault no it's your fault and then you got the fuck you fuck you yeah. two fuck you three four five six three? which i also love that joke <laughs> because it's like something that only a foreigner would be like oh two like the number yeah, two, two like, three i yeah. love it it's just so fun and it just Very comes light. out of nowhere i've been i've been playing through death stranding and there's so many things that Hideo Kojima does and that that are like oh gosh a, a native English speaker would never make that connection in the words but <laughs> right right uh, oh I love that so then um we've got this other really really quick great scene where it's oh, yeah. uh, on going oh, to dude, confess so that he was the the masked Garfield yeah. and we get <laughs> out of nowhere this really great John Woo send off where uh yeah christy chung's character just busts a gun out and just is blasting him over and over and over yeah. point blank rage you've got splatters of blood and yeah. doves flying everywhere uh, and it's literally so like 20 seconds but it's just too good not to mention yeah. but the reality here is that he's too scared to tell her but she kind of sees him and she's kind of cornering him we and think that she's like figured it out yeah, yeah. But uh, just at the moment where he thinks he's going to get his reward, which, of course, is a kiss, she kisses another man. And you see that some this random is dude that we've never met. At dude just that, yeah. yeah. Now, the villain of part two is uh, he's the like chief of the karate school and he's come to yeah. uh, to Hong Kong and she's like, uh, like, that's my new man. And he's like, what the hell? He's like, I did all this and now I lost her still. Well, it's great because he's. Uh, he's kind of confessing in this sort of cutesy way, which is it's like, well, when you find him, you should kiss him. You should, you know, it's like this, like pseudo third person or whatever. It's like, yeah, like okay. thinking, that, thinking that you're talking about me, but you're just talking about this other dude that. And it's staged in this way where it seems like there's really no one else, like even remotely nearby uh, mm -hmm. other than the two of them. So it's, yeah, it's just awesome. Yeah. It'd be like that. He says that he's, he's garbage and oh yeah he, and he's like standing next to the bags of garbage and as a point someone says like are you saying i'm garbage yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> great line yep and him and tat end up together again and yeah, they have this little yeah. back and forth and he's like you know you you owe me you got to do this and he's like well it, it basically ends up being like if you like challenge him you know, you could win the girl. So they go to the uh, 
the, the fitness center and they have this challenge all written up and they're ready but and we see Billy Chow. Yeah, Billy Chow's in there. Yeah, but even yeah. before that, there's a little moment where I feel it's like almost this oh, improv. Secretary? Yeah. And yeah, that's I, great. another thing that I really think is great about Stephen Chow that I don't see in too many films is you have these moments where you almost see like they're going to crack. Like they're yeah, just doing totally. stuff to make each other laugh. And you can yeah. call, totally see that here. So um, Tat and An are talking to the secretary and then tat is basically like flirting with this girl and he's kind of mm. uh sucking all the drama out of uh on's moment <laughs> with the challenge but you see yeah, that on is just kind of riding it and if you look you're just like oh it looks yeah, like he's Steven like is like two frames yeah, away yeah. from laughing <laughs> so they deliver this challenge to the secretary but on the way out they see that there's this serious meeting between uh uh lao who's the the karate chief and these other martial arts masters, one of them being, yeah, Billy Chow, or, uh, you know, kickboxer, bodyguard, serious heavy in any movie that he's in. And I, actually, he gets taken out here, but the scene is amazing, first of <laughs> all. You've got these different disciplines. And Do we know who the white guy is? I couldn't find credit for him. I couldn't find him either, but yeah, he's, he's wearing, I mean, he's a white guy, but he's wearing like this very Apollo Creed kind of sure. outfit, like the... Ooh, yep. good call, yeah. Uh, with the, the American flag shorts and stuff. Yeah, and um, it, it's it's set up so great. So you've got him addressing everybody, and basically he's saying, like, hey, karate's the best, and uh, I don't want anybody else to be uh, practicing their disciplines here. They're yeah. like, what are you talking about? So, of course, <laughs> this is a challenge. And he destroys everyone in mm-hmm. the most stylish way. And I think that this also has a great balance of like cartoon violence which is like mm-hmm. really cool well great choreography staged, yeah. like shots um yeah and like all the people are doing like their own like expertise like the billy chow does like these awesome kicks and the boxer guy is like getting in with the you know the, the punches and he is like dispatching each of them like there's a kendo guy and he like stabs through the kendo stick with his yeah. with his hands it's it's beautiful actually <laughs> yeah it's really well shot yep. and uh grizzly um, gets tossed into a wall and you have this uh, actually i've never seen it in a film before it's completely yeah, it's practical so but he basically mm-hmm. throws him into like a creator yeah, that that's created that looks be, yeah it becomes this yeah. like bulge like a looney tunes ish like bulge in the bricks or yes whatever. And, it, and yeah, probably you, my favorite like single shot in the movie is whenever the the boxing guy is like sneaking away, he punches through the wall to hit. Yeah, him. and there is this amazing shot where it's like like a right into the lens. Yeah, and he he pulls it out, and we see uh, Stephen Chow and Montat like on either side of the hole in the wall. Yeah, slow clap. Beautiful man, really really good. Yeah, totally. Because uh, honestly, the I don't know if this is for the episode or not. The part between this and the like the final mm-hmm. showdown, I feel like I feel like doesn't quite hold up as well as the as the rest of the movie. Yeah, That's not bad. I, I kind of yeah, feel I can that. Feel you on that. Yeah, you kind of have a situation where all the kind of really good ideas are kind of like running out. Mm-hmm. That's not to talk bad about it because I really do enjoy both parts of the film. But you you kind of get the sense that they're kind of spinning their wheels until they get to the confrontation. So um, you've got well, this... and they've really catered to us like thus far, where just like the pace of the movie is just 
is just terrific. You, mm-hmm. There isn't any kind of like slack or anything up in uh, up until this moment, especially if we we think about like some of the latter day like Lucky Stars films. Right. Like we're we're used to kind of sitting through, you know, <laughs> yeah. some like comedic premises that don't really work and that kind of thing. Um, hmm. And so yeah, maybe the we're just time. feeling it a little bit more here because like. It, it has it's been so, so excellent up until this point. Yeah. yeah. No, I was the, the whole time I was kind of thinking like, I think this is kind of what the lucky stars movies were kind of wanting to be like, like oh, they kind dude, of wanted totally. to be this level of, of comedy, but like everything's so much more well planned out in this. Yes. Which like, right. again, the, the point of the lucky stars movies is like, Hey, it's, it's almost like, like we said, it's almost like an Adam Sandler movie where it's like, Oh, I'm gonna get all my my cool friends together. We're just kind of figure something out for uh, 90 minutes. Yeah, right. And I mean, a big part of the draw was just seeing them all doing yeah, just crazy seeing all these stuff cool together. Stars together. Yep. Here now we've got a little bit of progression. Though after this huge sequence, they do end up encountering Lao, and uh, there's this kind of big like kind of standoff where you find out mm. Tat's real history he is truly a kung fu master and uh his injury on his leg was caused by lao's master so um this kind of fires up tat and he's like hey give me a month i'm gonna make this kid a champ and you're gonna wish that you never got in my face basically Mm -hmm. and um now we have another kind of a montage situation. That's but <laughs> okay. This this one's really funny. This yeah. montage. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Lao is like you know he's like training and you know he's you know like your your standard like <laughs> training for everything. But then every time it cuts back to Stephen Chow, they're just like hanging out by the pool or like eating <laughs> yeah. and they had that like hot pot going. Man, yeah, they got a hot pot. Yeah, that, yeah, and the other. The other driving force for this confrontation is that you've got this TV producer who is actually played by the director, Li Lik Chin, and um, yeah. he uh, gets wind of this challenge, and he's like, oh, this will be really good for our ratings. We got to do that. I, I like he, they call the show Happy Tonight, which is kind of a mm-hmm. play on the Enjoy Yourself Tonight, very popular Hong Kong yeah, show that yeah. we mentioned before. Yeah, so we've got this situation here where they have this underdog versus this killer and they're just kind of really milk this and uh, mm-hmm. pump everybody up but uh, we have a press conference where uh, Lao actually lies and says that he was the masked Garfield and <laughs> not oh, only man. that he says that as a kid he was inspired by Common Rider <laughs> yeah and he said yeah, I, I wear masks done. you know to be heroic so this kind of drives more motivation to aunt dude and Steven's this guy the nose bleeds. Oh. Yeah, yeah every good. time it cuts back to him, he's like bleeding. Like first he's bleeding out his nose, and he's bleeding out his eyes and his mouth. And they really rub it in his face. So not only do they have this sweet moment between Lao and Lai, but they have like a a little song and dance number, and he's just like <laughs> sitting like in despair watching it happen. But that leads <laughs> us into the montage that we're talking about. So yeah, yeah. Uh, all of this to really set up the final encounter, which is like basically the 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 last act of this movie. And like whenever the, like the promoter people are talking about the fight, and one of them says, "What if he dies?" He says, <laughs> well, "You'll get a raise, and I'll get a promotion." <laughs> yeah, you see that the yeah the producer's really bloodthirsty. He really wants to get yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> And then we get another dream sequence where it's like the fight starting. 
friend. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. And and Stephen Chow goes in and literally like gets his head punched off, and Lao is like <laughs> yes. ripping his body apart <laughs> while he's flying away. That's a pretty cool oh. practical shot too, because yeah, if you look at really it, effective. you see that it's like Chow with like a prosthetic neck, but he's got a drape over his body in the background, mm-hmm. and you just slide him out of the frame, and they have a fake body to be separated from, which I really yeah. like. There's also a really funny moment where you've got all these reporters like hounding uh, Lao in a hallway and they're asking him all these different things like you guys were mentioning. But one of my favorite things is one of the reporters says, if you lose with a body like that, will you do porn? And he, <laughs> he grabs him and lifts him off the ground. He says, never. I'll only make martial arts films. <laughs> I, I love I love that. That's so stupid. I do really like also when... Uh, when Lao's walking out, they're talking about karate and they show all this kind of stock footage of karate oh, yeah, demonstration. That's awesome. And that's actually like real footage. And one, the last shot that you see is of Masutatsu Oyama, like the godfather of uh, karate in Japan. So um, that's some real footage. I was trying to find it and I saw some compilations on YouTube with some of the footage, but not exactly what they showed. Mm. But Oh, gotcha. Uh, you know, that's some that's some real footage right there. Those those dudes are really doing that. That's not stunt work. Man. They're like uh, you know, breaking boards and breaking smashing bricks and, and stuff. Yeah. Uh the kind of iconic shot of Masatatsu Oyama where there's a glass bottle and he does like a hand chop and splits the bottle. And uh yeah, that's that dude was no joke. He was like uh kind of legendary. <laughs> and dude, I definitely legit. I mean for sure on the podcast at some point I'd love to talk about him because Sonny Chiba, also Sonny Chiba, rest in peace. We got a lot of <laughs> catching up to do since we oh, man, haven't done the podcast in a while. That's right, that did happen. Yeah, what a legend. But uh, he Dude. played Masatatsu Oyama, and Masatatsu Oyama was kind of one of his uh, mentors. Uh, so uh, really cool to see him pop up in this film and gives me a chance to shout out to Sonny Chiba, the master. So now it's time for the fight itself. And I this it kind of gets unveiled that the the entire plan is for Stephen Chow to just kind of like do different weird <laughs> distracting things. It's like so his version of like rope a dope. Of, yeah, they just make it to the end of the of the, the, the rounds and then so he doesn't actually have to fight him. I love um, this bit where they're not um airing it they're just kind of playing it on the radio so uh oh, yeah, the producer and and friends get uh <laughs> yeah he oh, yeah. he tells the announcer like just just start saying stuff so uh one of the assistants hands the announcer the ring announcer uh a novel and it's a wuxia novel <laughs> so he just starts yeah. reading the wuxia novel it's uh, actually uh heaven sword and dragon saber is the name of the wuxia novel but that even turns into its own little gimmick where it He's so impassioned reading it, and he actually loses the book. And then the assistant brings him another book, and that's uh, a romance like a novel. Romance. <laughs> and they're like, "What the heck?" So yeah. everybody that's listening on the radio, which also includes Lai, who for some reason is trapped in an elevator, elevator <laughs> for yeah. this whole and sequence. and their radio has this like chattering lips. Yeah, um, yeah it's a little like on the speaker. It's it's crazy. Scary. I need that. <laughs> right. I do like at one point they have to cut to a commercial and I almost wonder if it was like specifically mocking like a specific 
commercial it, from from the time. It definitely that, seems like it. And yeah, um, it's got to be right. Yeah the uh, the the lead for the commercial is Philip Chan, who we've seen yeah, in a yeah. lot of our movies, yeah. and it's weird, it's weird not seeing him as a cop. Yeah, he's normally <laughs> right. police chief. So nope, mm. he's a he's a commercial. Debonair, is that yeah. Right? yeah. So round one, he survives by just kind of faking it. He's like turns his back and Lao's kind of shook by this like oh what what's going on and it ends up timing out <laughs> round two he gets saved by the commercial but there's this intimidation tactic where they're like throwing like weapons like <laughs> we've got like knives they throw and... the durian yeah his head? <laughs> that's really good there's grenades and there's a really yeah, funny like... bit where all of the restaurant guys come out and they're covered in the weapons that they've been tossing up into the rafters. But then for the for the last round, he actually does kind of fight because the one training that apparently he did do was that uh, Ung Lang Tat was driving around in like this this truck, and Stephen Chow was like grabbing onto the truck as it was like spinning around and stuff. So he's practicing i think they call it the clamp the clamp is what they call it but also some really great dynamic action shots for these the 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 truck sequence which is only like some Mm. seconds long but it looks super dynamic and could totally sit with you know a police story or something oh you'd see around that time (laughs) and it has the it does have the very 90s like the kind of 90s hong kong with like all the dutch angles and the like wide angle lenses and stuff yeah, yeah. But this uh the clamp, you know, this grappling. I'm I'm just so surprised that most of the action in this film is wrestling related. <laughs> yeah, But yeah. I I love yeah, it. I dude, think it's, a good point. it looks really good. There is a really good uh phys- cuz he's he's just grabbing him the whole time. Um but Lao eventually does get a good kick on him and he flies like all the way back into the ropes and it really is like a wrestling thing where he bounces off the ropes and then and is able to pin him down. Yeah, he ends up doing a move called the Boston Crab, where you have your opponent face down on the ground and you are facing away from them and you grab their legs and wrap them between your arms. Kind of a submission here. And I just, it's so weird to me that all these wrestling moves were so important to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It makes total sense that Stephen Chow would be a big wrestling fan. Sure. Marty? Oh, dude, no, good point. Oh, no, I like that we have this kind of cutaway to what, I mean, was probably like a deleted sequence or repurposed sequence of the movie where we see what he was like training for. Um, I was trying to think if there are any other examples of of something like that, but I, I, I just really like how that works because we've seen it plenty where like we cut to black and white to indicate some like, yeah. past event or whatever. Um, but if it was an initially intended to be part of like an earlier sequence, I'm, I think it was really swipe, like really smart move to kind of excise it and kind of only use it in, in like this setting here. Yeah, and we we get to the point where these submissions pay off, and uh, Lao is just <laughs> totally uh, defeated. <laughs> he just kind of collapses and is in despair, and he says, "I give up. Please, just stop." <laughs> and there's even a really funny moment where he goes for like a, a dirty move where he wants to poke his eye or something, and An bites his fingers, and he's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I love that." Um, but yeah, in the end, the the match 
ends and uh An is just so happy that he survived it all and it's really yeah. funny you get this heroic yeah, moment good. where he's like oh i did it i did it but then you see like just the moment after that they announce that lao is the winner mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> well i like it but it's, it's like, like it has no impact on like him or <laughs> it's like perfect still just celebrating it's yeah like, i mean it's like the it's like the end of the first rocky where it's like mm-hmm. he, he you know he just yeah, he made totally. it through that was the whole point and one of the announcers even says that he's like rocky <laughs> Just to put a pin in it. Uh, and a lot of, like, you know, dis- uh, legally distinct music also throughout oh, the Oh, yeah. There is some very, some very off-brand Rocky going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now you're at the point where you're like, okay, so he's going to get the girl because he was courageous, maybe. You've got the situation where uh, Lai comes back. But then uh, this kind of escalates where... You've got uh, Lao, and he's just so pissed that, like, he was kind of, like, defeated in this way. And you've got, all of a sudden, you see that there are these masters that are sitting at the judge's table. And they kind of get in his face, and this turns into another encounter. And uh, another situation where you see, like, I for me, I think it's just so awesome seeing all these people just fly out of the ring as Lao is like fighting everyone. He's right. like literally like tossing everybody out like confetti yeah. and it just looks super cool. You'll see like shots where like there's like eight to twelve people mm-hmm. flying through the air out, out of the the ring and it just looks ri- ridiculously good. But yeah. um this <laughs> sets up the ultimate heroic moment here mm-hmm. where uh on realizes that he has to defeat Lao and he's like but I need like a because like the the whole crux of this invincible fireball technique is that he needs some type of like set of stairs or something so he's like I need a ladder and there's a goofy bit where <laughs> one of his like co-workers brings out this little toy ladder yeah, and that doesn't yeah. work but I mean perfectly timed we've got this huge lottery that's supposed to kind of end cap this event and it, there's a huge rotating hamster wheel, you know, for the lottery. And he is able to submit Lao and he executes the invincible fireball in yeah. this ultimate like <laughs> cage and it's, it erupts. <laughs> there's sparks and fire and the wheels smoking and he totally destroys him. And now you get this moment where for Lai, she sees the proof that he was Garfield and yeah, he defeats yeah. the you know the other man basically so i i think it's really great it's it's so goofy and i mean but it's a perfect way to cap off this film mm. and it and it brings kind of brings it brings together the two movies yes because it's yeah. like the finale Dude, well of, said yeah the finale of of the the first movie now just it gets ex- escalated for the for this and you like Lau stands back up and he's like you know you're still garbage to me and then he's like <laughs> No, I'm actually really hurt, and he falls over. <laughs> and so, of course, he he finally gets to to kiss the girl, and that gets to be our uh, our ending in the freeze frame. Yeah, so I had a super great time with this, and like I said at the beginning of the episode, like there are these like comedic moments that I have in my memory of Stephen Chow films, and one of the ones that I was thinking of was there's a like a judo scene that kind of ends in like a kind of a jokey like cha-cha moment and i was able to find that and it's actually with a athena chu from uh uh 
the Chinese Odyssey films or the second yeah. film. And it, it's I think it's from Fight Back from School Part Two. And it's this really oh, nice. yeah. funny little scene where uh, Stephen Chow's character has to like fight an opponent and it's Athena. But they end up kind of doing this forward and back step, but it kind of transitions into a cha-cha, which is really funny. <laughs> so I had that in my memory because, you know, when this movie starts, that we've got judo and judo is such a focus and part of the film. Actually, it's funny. You think about... Um, you know Michelle Yeoh as a judo practitioner in the Lucky Stars yeah. films, and you've got this in this film, and I, I mean, it seems like judo was kind of a trendy thing at the time. Anyways, dude, totally. I, no, I bet you're right. It's like, um, and honestly, even the um, the staging of kind of the opening of the film with Christie's character in the class is very similar to, um, is it? Was it the third Winners and Sinners film where Michelle has that? Yeah, I think cameo? I think it's Winners and Sinners. I think it was in that one, or it was in what? My Lucky Twinkle Twinkle, maybe? Or no, yeah. My Lucky Star. My Lucky Star. Okay, anyways, no, yeah. It, yeah. Anyways, we're fact checking <laughs> ourselves. It doesn't matter. We, we remember the scene <laughs> and we've covered it. So, um, yeah, there are all these. But like, yeah, we I, end up having kind of like an MMA <laughs> movie in a way. Yeah, totally. There are all these moments from different uh, Stephen Chow films that I just have in my brain that I'm excited to kind of <laughs> solidify where they're from. There's one yeah, do. that I'm it. thinking of, too, that has a couple legendary uh, Hong Kong stars fighting each other, and it just ends up being a joke. I don't want to spoil it in case it's so- something that we're going to be talking about yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> it, if it's the sequence I'm thinking, yeah, we will touch on oh that. awesome that's great that's great <laughs> but yeah that's love on delivery from 1994 um nice, yeah i had man. a super fun time with it and i was oh, i was kind dude, of surprised because so like I, I was expecting it to be like there's a few good things here and there but like it really is like it it's i'd say a good a solid 80 percent of the movie is just genuinely funny yeah. And, yeah. And like we mentioned, there's jokes that I completely missed in the first watch through, so if I watch it again, I'll definitely And I oh, dude, love that. I, I totally agree with you, Marty, where if this was the first Stephen Chow film that you've seen, it it kind of just points you in the exact direction that you need to go just mm-hmm. to enjoy his work. Yeah. Yeah. No to- and actually like I had kind of a similar trajectory to you, Carlos, where um I didn't come to Steven's movies very quick actually it was probably after Shaolin Soccer came out honestly where I kind of backtracked I'd seen like a couple films like Chinese Odysseys and stuff um but honestly a lot of um the Hong Kong comedies of the 80s and 90s were kind of painted with a broad brush at least among you know Hong Kong film fans in the west and a lot of those film fans kind of stayed away but really Steven's movies are a horse of a different color and um I mean, just in in so many ways. I mean, one thing at the risk of, I don't know, being an SJW soy boy or oh no, of, <laughs> you said the um, word, but but it's just like almost uh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, a big difference between this and say like the Lucky Stars movies or most like Wong Jing films is it's like it's not really it's not about trying to like tr- yeah tricking some girl yeah. or whatever like. And often in Steven's movies, either the female characters kind of like retain their dignity and they're like the smartest ones or they they get in there and 
um, and are just as kind of like goofy and just as embarrassing. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I'm super excited about that. And, and also, um, as you know, as his works, you know, got more popular and he got the audience that he was really fighting for, you could see the trajectory is that he really wanted to make a movie for everyone. Something like, you know, yeah. Shaolin Soccer, Kung Fu Hustle, even more broader appeal. And then, you know, CJ7, you're bringing this family kind of environment into yeah, it. Totally. And something like The Mermaid, where it's like, I mean, one of the most you know highest grossing films from hong kong yeah Yeah. so he really was trying to aim for stuff like that and he was working within you know the spaces that he was and he you know hong kong at this time you know this was the type of comedy that was really uh popular so um i think it's i think it's awesome i think it's great and i mean there's i mean there's so much to love about and he doesn't have like a huge, huge body of work like some of the other guys that we talk about, but you really get a good sense of him executing exactly what he wanted to do. And, and yeah, I just can't wait to talk more about it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's also, I think, kind of fun um, just getting our engines started back up on the podcast with like a, a period movie because it's, I don't know, it's somehow, or sorry, not period, like contemporary, uh, <laughs> like it's almost uh, a period boy, now. I can't but. <laughs> yeah, it's almost a period now. It's, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's like just a great way to kind of like smash back into like mm-hmm. this other era, this other um, like perspective. And um, actually our next um, installment is going to be a period piece. And so we're going to kind of continue this like trajectory and actually a lot of Steven's films uh, prior to this that were successful were um, at least had some element of kind of like period send up. Um, Sometimes even if it's like time traveling back into the past, but Hmm. um, we're going to see kind of a decidedly like (laughs) modern angle on um, some of the tropes that we're super familiar with on Hmm. this, uh, on this show. All right, well, thank you so much for checking out our show here. If you liked it, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Heroes the Number Three Podcast on all three of them. And leave us a review on whatever you're listening to this on, uh, whatever that might be. I think you can leave reviews on Podcast Addict now. That's what I listen to stuff on. So, and I don't if you can do that. Then do that. Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned, but we're on Spotify too. Oh yeah, we're on Spotify now. Yeah, I think. Nice. Am I, I mentioned that? I think it's I, been I, so long. It's been a while, but. <laughs> Um, so Marty, what, what is the movie you were talking about a second ago? Uh, Yeah. So so the next film we're going to be watching one of my (laughs) favorite movies of all time. I'll probably say that, um, (laughs) for all four of these these movies, but, uh, it's forbidden city cop. And, um, yeah, this is like a, this might be a movie I would have somebody kind of like start off with um, <laughs> if they're kind of curious about Stephen Chow. And it depicts maybe like my, one of my favorite like movie couples, like married couples, like uh, ever. So yeah, super oh. excited about this one. Well, until next time where we're taking a look at Forbidden City Cop, I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. We are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. <laughs>
Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network. If that's okay. No, I was just, I was just going to say, it's it's we, we just got right back into it. We didn't need any. Isn't it great? Oh, like, dude, just, that's so cool. We're just, we're just right back on it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost um, like we like doing this. Yeah, yeah, it's like we like doing it and we're, we're okay at it.